Today's sponsor is Headspace. You slept every night of your life, so you should be pretty good at it by now, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't get the quality sleep that we need and could use a little bit of help, and that's where Headspace has got you covered. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And while they have meditations devoted to helping you reduce stress and increase your overall sense of well-being, they have an entire library of sleep stories, sleep music, and other sleep sounds that can help you get the quality sleep you desperately need. And for busy lifestyles, they have what's called wind downs. It's meditations and breathing exercises that are as short as three minutes so they can fit into anybody's schedule. I personally use Headspace myself. I've tried out some of the sleep stuff. It actually works. Like to me, it actually makes a difference. So Headspace, it's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot. And over 60 million downloads. Try it today for free and start sleeping soundly. So right now, our listeners get 30% off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to headspace.com slash sleep pod for 30% off your subscription, but only until May 12th. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash sleep pod today. Because uh, if you go through a hotel, like, you know, they, they, they've got hotel prices. So it's like 40, um, $50 per lunch per person or something like that for just like a sandwich. Like I've seen yeah. that a couple of times. I'm like, this is yeah, crazy. Yeah, $72 or something was, I, I remember that quote very clearly. That was $72 for <laughs> lunch. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Um, but yeah. You're listening to Ronsley Vaz, who is the founder of the We Are Podcast Conference, a podcast conference that happens in Australia, and revealing some of the hidden costs that might come with putting on an event like this. Now, I know a lot of people who put on events, and all of them could be well qualified to talk about this topic of, well, how do we put on an event? Uh, Big or small? What are the things that are involved? How do you actually get people to come to the event? How do you market it? How do you even know where to start? Well, those are the kinds of things we're going to talk about today. And like I said, I know so many people who would be qualified to come on this show and talk about those kinds of things. From our good friend Chris Ducker to Amy Porterfield to Darren Rouse, uh, Michael Hyatt, you know, the, the list goes on. Cliff Ravenscraft just put on an amazing show, Michael Stelzner. But I wanted to get Ronsley here because likely a lot of you don't know Ronsley. And Ronsley started from the ground up. He didn't really have a large audience or an audience to begin with. And we talk about the start of how he was able to and even why he wanted to put a podcast conference together in Australia and how he made it so. So we're going to talk about that today in and amongst a number of other topics related to just everything that's involved with this. It's one of the most rewarding things that you can do, and I'm really excited because I'm putting on my own event uh, shortly, and likely you may have already heard about it. If not, you can actually check it out at flincon1.com. That's right, a conference that I'm putting together for the SPI community to bring everybody together to spend a lot of that time that I usually spend on other people's presentations on my own conference to bring everybody in San Diego at a family-friendly event uh, in San Diego in the summer of 2019. You can read more about it at flincon1.com. But again, I'm learning. I wanted to speak to Ronsley like I've spoken to many of my other colleagues to just learn as much as I could. And I thought that this would be a great conversation to record for all of you who might be at the same position that I am with, okay, well, how do I even get started? What's all involved? What are the costs? Let's talk about it. So before all that, let's hit the music. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, his Back to the Future collection is uh, getting a little out of hand. Pat Flynn. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me today in session 
342 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. My name is Pat Flynn, here to help you make more money, save more time, and help more people too. An amazing way to help people is actually in person by creating your own event. And I've done a lot of smaller events in the past, but like I said, I'm putting on my first large conference later this coming year, and uh, it's gonna be fun, flyncon1.com, but I wanna learn as much as I can about it. This is what I do. When I wanna do something new, something I've never done before, by the way, it's making me super nervous, but that's why I'm doing it. I look for that fear, I look for that nervousness. If I don't feel at all a little nervous about the next big thing that I'm doing, then I'm probably not going big enough. It's probably not going to help me or my business grow or anybody else grow at all. So yes, definitely very nervous, but I think that that means there could be some potentially large rewards on the other end of actually putting on this conference. But like I do all the time, every every time I'm trying to learn something new, I make it easy for myself by not opening up textbooks or you know doing massive web searches and watching a ton of YouTube videos. Yes, I do do those things, but the easiest thing, the easiest route is to actually go to people who have done what I'm trying to do and ask them questions, pick their brain, understand what they wish they had done differently. And that's what we're talking a lot about today with Ronsley Vaz, again, from We Are Podcast. You can find him at wearepodcast.com and uh, stick around because this is going to be a good one. Here we go. Ronsley, welcome to the SPA podcast. Thanks for being here, man. Dude, this has been uh, bucket list stuff for me. It's <laughs> been uh, it's been five years in the making to get here and 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 trying to do a whole bunch of stuff. So I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited to have gotten to know you over the last couple of years, especially since uh, having met you in person in San Diego. And then by the time that everybody who's listening is listening to this, I will have just gotten back from your event in Australia called We Are Podcast. And it's a podcasting event in Australia that uh, I've just been looking forward to for such a long time. So at the time that we're recording this, the event hasn't happened. By the time you all listen to it, this is the magic of batch processing and and, and online business stuff. Um, I will have already gotten back. So you've likely already seen, if you've been following me on Instagram, a number of pictures and photos on Twitter and and, and whatnot. And if you haven't, definitely check them out. But uh, man, I'm so stoked to chat with you today because as many people in the audience know, I'm putting on my own event in July of 2019 in San Diego, and I'll give you more information about that at the end of the of the chat here. But I'm going to come from a very selfish point of view, and also on behalf of the audience, from those who want to eventually someday put on an event of their own, because you've done it multiple years now, and you've gone through a lot of ups and downs, and I'd love to chat with you about all that so that we can be better equipped for a better experience for our own attendees. So if you don't mind, I'd just love to, to, to dive in and kind of just uh, start asking you some questions about all this because this is really new for me. I'd uh, I'd love to I'd love to chat, Pat. I, I think um, I think for me it's been uh, a great four years. I think I only remember the good stuff, but uh, I'd love to help in any way I can. I'd I'd love to actually ask a question if I might if I may. Yeah. What got you to this point? I mean, you've been killing it. Uh, what got you to this point where you decided that the event? how putting on an event was the way forward. That's a great question. Like I forgot for a second whose podcast this was, So, but you're a podcaster, <laughs> so you're, you naturally go into like question mode. I love that. Um, the reason why, and thank you for setting, setting, setting this up, the reason why I wanted to do my own event is because, you know, it's been 10 years now that I've been doing business and yeah. actually in October when I'm at your event, that will yeah. be literally 10 years since I started smartpassiveincome.com, which is pretty cool. Congratulations. Man. Thank you. That's yeah. cool. And I've always been very afraid of public speaking, and I've gotten better at it over the, over the years, although it still makes me quite nervous. But I'm always looking to level up 
the way that I produce things for my audience. And I've been spending a lot of time learning about the art of public speaking and performance and stage work. And I think a lot of people who have seen me in person speak at other people's events have always said that, you know, I'm, I'm one of the best speakers that I put obviously a lot of time into my talks and, um, you know, I'm entertaining and whatnot. And I, I put sometimes hundreds of hours into other people's talks or other people's conferences for my talks. And my team and I were talking, we're like, why not, why not like, you know, especially with the kids getting older and I want to spend more time with them, like traveling is hard and going to conferences, it takes a lot of time. Like next year, why not slow it down a little bit and why not bring your audience to you? And then you can spend time on your own stuff. And I was like, man, that's such a good idea. I also love the idea of an event to bring my community together because sure. when I go to other events, it's like there there are a lot of fans there, which is great, but I would love a space where it's like you you know you're going to find other people who are like you because you all listen to the same thing, because you all follow the same person, and I just yeah. want to provide that environment for my audience too, and um, I think there's no better way to teach and leave a, a long-lasting, uh, memorable impact than in person. 100 percent um and i think i think i i I think for me it was similar uh if i kind of look at we are podcast right now i do not think that we do it well let me be frank i don't do it for for the money at all like zero there's no reason it's the effort that goes into putting on the event uh it's not necessarily roi from a money perspective at all for me i I know that I'm in business to hang out with cool people doing cool stuff in cool places. So um, the, the, the the event is mainly for me to hang out with cool people for those three days and then hang out with the speakers at the speaker retreat for the four days following. So it's like my pre-Christmas. And I think <laughs> that that's probably that's primary the primary reason why i put on we are podcasts is to hang out with cool people so um i i have no doubt you're going to enjoy yourself man it's going to be it's going to be epic it's going to be epic but it's going to be an epic amount of work i know which is Mm -hmm. where i wanted to have you come on and just bring us to to back down to earth because i think a lot of us have these ideas for events big and small that we want to put on but as soon as we start considering like all the parts and pieces that are involved it, it, it gets overwhelming and a lot of us just stop i mean already in the process i've been like oh man like should we should we go down this route like should we should we do it and i think by this point i've committed to it i've announced it there's a url for you know the the, the ticket sales and whatnot i'm at that point already where there's no turning back it seems but how like you say this isn't for the money it's for the people, which I completely understand, but I would love to start from the beginning. If I were yeah. planning an event right from the start, like yeah. what what are some of the first things I need to consider just to even wrap my head around all that's involved? Like what are some of the first steps? Well, for me, uh, there was uh, going back to 2015, 2014, actually, when, um, when I thought of the idea, it was it happened over breakfast. Uh, a mentor of mine said to me, "Well, there's no one doing podcasting uh, or podcast event in Australia. Why don't you be the first? And I, you know, my brain did not know how to comprehend that because I did not sleep for the next few days, and I was like, "That's such a great idea, but how do I make this happen? I, I haven't even put on an event for two people before, um, you know, leave alone a conference." So. Mm-hmm. Um, what I did next was I just kind of made a list of the people I knew 
um, who had put on events of different kinds. It didn't matter what kind of event they had, whether they they put on like a meetup or they put on a, a large a large conference um, or they put on a, a small intensive two day intensive. It didn't matter what kind of event it was, but um, I think all of them had a like it was always a business event sort of person. And and I kind of just went and and started talking to them like I was. I would I would schedule like a, an hour uh, to have a conversation with them, either over Skype or or in person, and it was fascinating. Pat, every single one of them told me, "Rodsley, you're stupid. Do not do this." <laughs> Why? Why did they say that? Um, and that, so that was really interesting. So I so I listened to that and I kind of went why what would go wrong and they made they told me they, they started telling me a whole bunch of different things which i made a list of so uh one of the one of the most important things that um i got told was that the budget so when you budget for an event it's never going to be that budget so you always kind of have to have uh, a backup kit um and at the time for me that was super important because I was just coming out of, uh, you know, over half a million in debt. That's a different story, but we'll leave that out for the, for the time being. But I wasn't like, I wasn't cashed up. So that was really important information to have because uh, I obviously hadn't done an event before. So having that spare money uh, in a different account just in case, like an insurance, in case my budget was all messed up, was really important information. So what I did was I made a list of all the all the things that they told me that would go wrong, and I de-risked that. So that was one of them. The second one was, uh, you know, the people that you you kind of decide to do this thing together with uh, might suddenly not have the enthusiasm you have, and you got to be ready to to carry the, that enthusiasm because. Uh, no one's going to see it like you like like you see it. Also, very valuable information because when I started off, it was I had three, four people that were like, "Yeah, let's do it. This is going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome for my business. It's going to be awesome for your business." Everyone was happy, and then two months in, one person dropped out, and then <laughs> one, the three months in, another person dropped out, and like, and they're like. All right, so it's just me then. That's <laughs> this is interesting, um, and uh, and I think the other one was um, to make sure that I had some sort of a plan to uh, create a campaign to sell the tickets, and it was not like oh tickets are on sale and 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 deal with that. So I feel like the best thing I did at the time before getting anything else off the ground was having these conversations with people and seeing what they said as to why they didn't think it was a good idea for me to do it. Then I took each of those reasons and I made a plan on how, uh, if things went totally sideways, that I had a backup plan for those backup plans. Yeah, this is this is really smart. And this is why, you know, some of us who might be listening right now, um, you don't have access to people like that. Well, this is why I wanted... Ronsley on the show to kind of become that person, although you can't ask him a question right now while you're listening. Hopefully that, you know, through my own experience building this event, FlynnCon 1 in San Diego, that, um, you know, we're we're all thinking the same thing. So that's really, I'm super thankful for that info, Ronsley. As far as the budget, like, you know, the cool thing about an event 
from my perspective is, hey, if I don't sell any tickets, then I don't have to worry about anything, uh, you know. And and if I sell tickets, then now I have the budget. But I'm also learning that wow, there's some things I have to either pay for or commit to pay for before I even sell yeah. the tickets. Can you can yeah. you talk a little bit about that dynamic and like how you balance all that and just kind yeah, of 100%. live with it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. So so. Uh, 20, so in the build-up, so 2015, October 2015 was the first year we did We Are Podcast. And that was probably my biggest year of growth, even though I've had, you know, I was, I was obviously going through a hard time in 2013 and 2014 with a failed business before that. Uh, when I got to 2015, the biggest growth was this event. And it wasn't necessarily about the money uh, because... I had the same thoughts that went through my mind. I was like, all right, I sell tickets. I had the budget and, and, and I could go ahead. But what was really driving me mental was that there were friends or, you know, uh, business acquaintances or business partners that lent me the trust of their brand. And uh, they lent me the trust of their brand because I needed it because I did not have uh, you know, uh, a trusted brand at the time and it was new, it hadn't been done before. And these people were like kind enough to go, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll support we are podcast or we'll part, we'll, we'll partner with you. Uh, we'll lend our credibility to you. And I was like, what if I fail and I take all these guys down with me? Mm. That was driving me mental. Like I had like two fetal position moments in the build up <laughs> to, to We Are Podcast just because I, I, I couldn't handle that. I could handle losing money. I could handle all that kind of stuff. I could not handle messing someone's brand up who had spent years and years and tireless amount of um, effort trying to build that brand. So um, it's not necessarily about the money but it is about the money as well um, because you still need the money to secure a venue. If you don't have a venue, how are you going to tell whoever you're going to tell, like, you know, here's where we're having it. So even if you put some money aside, um, you got to, you got to start budgeting for the things that you don't necessarily see coming. Uh, so in the first year, putting, putting uh, a deposit down on an event, uh, space was difficult because I knew that that was a line in the sand yeah. and it was like the first payment. And once that payment came out, there was no turning back, even though there was no turning back. It's a really weird thing that your brain goes through. So I think the mental capacity to deal with an event is probably the biggest, um, is probably the biggest thing to consider when you're putting on an event, if that makes sense. Totally. Now, th- there are ways to run smaller events with less risk and, and less money needed up front, right? Like you could have a special deal with a local co-working spot and then sell tickets to, you know, a evening event, right? And to gather people together and, and perhaps have a little conversation with a smaller group of people versus what we're talking about here, the, the much larger events, obviously. So yeah. you could, you can start smaller and kind of grow it bigger out of that, but you know, especially when you have the idea of like a conference, especially like the first podcasting conference in Australia. I mean, that's not really something you want to go small fry on. Um, no, and and one hundred percent, Pat. I hadn't, and and going since since that first year, uh, I have not put down payment for a venue uh, until 
tickets went on sale, but I did not know any better in year one. So you can still make those deals. Like those deals are really important deals to make. Like partnerships, uh, in fact, when we started talking before this conversation and I was making a list, the first thing I wrote down was partnerships. I cannot, I cannot emphasize how important partnerships are from a variety of angles. Like, um, Partnerships allow you to boost your credibility. Partnerships allow you to have better distribution. Partnerships allow you to have uh, a, a better variety of um, um, uh, resources, which you po probably wouldn't get access to, or you'd have to pay money to, to get access to. So nowadays, I make my partnerships way before I need it. I think Jordan Harbour just says it really well, like dig your well before you need the water or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, for me, um, and, and I'm always looking for a win-win scenario. So um, if someone's putting on an event for the first time, 100%, there's no need to put a deposit down. Find a way to partner because every business or every person wants something that you can possibly give them that the, the problem is that we're so caught up in our selfish world and our selfish bubble that we don't stop to think of what they might actually want mm -hmm. and kind of twist our way into their lives by kind of pushing our agenda. And I, I don't know whether that makes sense, but partnerships are so key. I feel like we don't do them enough. Um, and, 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 and if someone's putting on an event for the first time, please look at the partnerships that you can create because those are relationships that you can build for life. And these are partnerships between you as the event creator and, and who else would this be other companies or would this be other, other people or yeah. colleagues in the space? Like who exactly are you talking about? I'm, I'm talking about other companies. So another, another business is always looking for access to people. They're looking for access. They, they're looking to be attached with something. So as an example, in, in year one, I found a whole bunch of speakers that wanted to be part of the first podcasting conference in the Southern Hemisphere. Like they were like, and 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 I that was amazing. That was that was so phenomenal, and that's why it was so hard for me because I'm like, what if this is goes go goes belly up? Because all these these great speakers, and I had a great lineup uh, in year one, and and touch wood, every year we've had a great lineup. But in year one, to get that kind of lineup with no runs on the board uh, was massive. And I was like, well, if all these speakers are giving me their brand really for, for no runs on the board, then um, I, I, need to, I need to find a way to show up. Right. So, it, so I think it, it doesn't matter. So it, 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 who, who would potentially want exposure so, um, uh, you know, catering companies, uh, venue spaces, um, you, then, you, then you think about, then you think about, actually, what you should think about is who else in my market um, does my, my client see before they come to see me? So um, if you're a if you're a suit maker and you probably say, say you, you, you make the best suits on the planet you're not going to go and partner with other suit makers because you just become part of the, of, of the same pool. But if you went and partnered with um, uh, a high-end watchmaker, a high-end pen uh, company, uh, you know, high-end uh, wallet maker, and th then you suddenly have, you know, a whole suite of people that 
your client will see before they come and see you. So in the similar light, look at the partnerships from that angle where who else would benefit from being in the room with these people because these people would need those kind of people anyway. How about I build my own tribe of partners that um, I know uh, have the same values as I do because that's what I stand for. That's my line. I won't cross that line. Um, and these partners won't cross that line either. So I'm doing the best for my people. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I love that. I mean, I hadn't considered that an event is a platform. And when you have a platform with people or hopefully people that might show up, other companies mm-hmm. would want to get in front of that audience as well. Very similar to a podcast in the way that a podcast is an asset, a platform that you can leverage for certain partnerships and situations yeah. like that, which is which is really smart. So thank you, thank you for bringing that up. I, I hadn't considered that at this point yet. Um, another important aspect of an event uh, is the obvious experience that your attendees are going to have. At what yeah. point in the process do you consider like, okay, here's what's going to happen on day one. Here's what's going to happen on day two. Um, at, at what point in the process are you already thinking about that? Um, you know, at this, in this yeah. phase? Um, I'm thinking about that from the time I kind of decide that the event is going to happen. So, mm-hmm. When we announced 2018, we announced it in 2017, and we we kind of uh, decided that it was going to be amplify influence and impact. Um, the year one was growing an audience, and I knew that the whole theme around um, the day and a half was going to be around growing an audience. And everything that I had in there was about how. And it was structured in that way on on how to grow an audience in these different methods, using a podcast or having a podcast as your platform. And and I think that's really relevant what you said, Pat, because everything we're creating should be an asset and shouldn't be seen as a liability. Mm-hmm. Because you know if it's seen as a chore or oh, I got to do this, then it it you know it, it tends to become that in our brain, which then it tends to become that in reality too. So. Right. Um, a, a podcast, a blog, uh, you know, an event, they're all assets. And um, I think what, 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 what I did was I, when I was having these conversations with the speakers, I was kind of going, well, this is how I'd like, these, these are the topics I'd like to cover. Can you, would you be able to fit whatever it is that you are awesome at? in these boundaries and then we would have a conversation and almost always you know we'd find an angle that they had never spoken about before so i i I love having speakers that have never spoken about stuff stuff before that it's not well it's not like a you know they've done this 10 15 20 times before and they're going to do it again I, i i i love to use our stage as a testing ground for a new topic and um and but it all falls within that that overarching compass of whatever the 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 theme of the conference is going to be because i kept thinking if a bunch of people come to an event i don't actually want them to have a bigger to-do list than they than they start off with Uh, i don't want them to be necessarily confused and not know what to do or feel like they 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 have all this this stuff to do but don't know where to start from uh by attending the event 
So I tried as much as I could to uh, to to tailor the day in in a way that uh, got them to do stuff over the day, so that when they finished, they actually felt like they accomplished something rather than just have a massive to do list. If that makes sense, that's cool. Yeah, I like that. It's very attendee centric first versus what I know a lot of other conferences do that I speak at. They're just like, yeah, just whatever whatever you want to speak about. Like, I just we just want you there. Um, from, mm. from and, and to me, that's like that's great because it's easy for me as a speaker to go, oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll do the one that I've done all the time that everybody loves, which is great. But for an attendee, it may or may not be the right thing for them. So I love that you have these sort of themes, and that's the way we're definitely approaching TwinCon 1 yeah. and having a theme. I mean, the whole theme is press start, so it's going to be about starting something and, and, and yes. the mindset and the actual actions that you need to take to do that. And yeah. everything is going to be in and around that. Now, the uh, a unique thing about my event is is there going to be there's not going to be very many speakers. It's actually yeah. mostly me and some yeah. of my family members and some yeah. mystery guests that I am actually nice. not going to reveal, and you won't know who they are until you're there, which is really interesting. Which nice. I know some people might be like, "Well, you're just buying time, Pat." So I don't know. <laughs> you can think whatever you want of that, but let's say that you want to get speakers. How do you, oh. especially when you were just starting out, like in year one? How are you able to convince speakers to come? Do you pay them? It, like, how? I mean, it's a huge ask to go. Hey, can you take like four day, like three or four days out of your busy schedule to come to my event to speak yeah. on stage to spend time away from your family? And especially if you don't have a budget, it's like, and I want you to do this for free. And you had mentioned yeah. yes, exposure, but it's exposure to a brand new event. How do you? Like, how do you do that? Like, how is that even possible? Um, I was I was pretty lucky, Pat. I um, uh, I had a podcast for I think a, a couple of years before that, so I had interviewed all these amazing people before. So I kind of had a relationship a little bit, at least, um, with a lot of them. That's huge. And yeah, podcasts can do that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like everything around me pat is because i started a podcast five years ago everything around me and i find that not even an under like it's not even a uh i'm not even exaggerating with that statement like like we know each other because i had like you know it's it's i find that i find that such a massive platform and um and to be able to converse with someone for an hour or, or 40 minutes or 45 minutes is such a huge advantage um and I think that's what's been able, I've been able to create these amazing relationships. And I'll also, I've been, I've been looking at, 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 at other people and, um, you know, I see, I see some people do this stuff online where they kind of just ask all the time. They, they don't build any relationship equity that, you know, they, there's no, there's no thought of, what would that person want? What what can I do for that person? How can I make that person feel special? And um, and I think everyone wants to feel special in one way or the other. Um, we created the speaker retreat uh, from year two because it was a way to be able to 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 give the speakers a safe so a safe place. Even though I know that people will pay a lot of money. To be at the speaker retreat, there's no, it's just, it's like a, a safe place for the speakers to hang out in each other's company, which with, with no agenda so that they can just be themselves yeah. and hang out with similar kind of like-minded people. 
And um, so in year one, sorry to go back to your question, That's I went right. on this tangent. Uh, in year one, I, I had uh, some kind of relationship because of my podcast with, uh, with the speakers. And if I didn't, uh, it was a, one of the speakers said, hey, you know, this is Ronsley. He's, he has gone from uh, half a million in debt to debt free in two years and two months. I think in, in a, using a business and I think that you should talk to him because uh, he's been able to do these amazing things and um, and I would just get my foot in the door that way yeah. and uh, from that um, I would just listen I would not kind of go hey I'd like you to speak at my event I'd be like um, um, you know Andrew introduced me and uh, I'm putting on this event but I would like to know, you know, how are things going? Like, I, I read up all about you. I, I, I've done this research. I, I, I liked uh, your last couple of interviews or, or podcast episodes you put on. Um, how did you do this? And, you know, I'm new in this space. And, and I still do that. Like, I, I by no means am the guru because I know that every time I learn a little bit more about podcasting or about events, about business, about entrepreneurship, I realize there's a bigger list of stuff that I don't know. So right from the beginning, I kind of went, I'd love to have this conversation. You've been around for a longer time than I have, and you've done all these cooler things than I have. Um, I'd love to be able to, you know, if you could give me one piece of advice uh, and I can take that away, that that would be massive for me. Uh, and it doesn't mean that you speak at the event, um, but if it, it means that you speak at the event, that's even better, if that makes sense. So I detached from the outcome, um, and I was purely there to be present, if, if, that, if that helps. No, that does. Thank you. Um, what were some things that you, in your second year, were saying to yourself in terms of like, okay, we're not going to do that again like last year. What are some, some big takeaways from your first year that you then made some changes for for year number two? Yeah, um, that bigger wasn't better. Um, what do you mean by that? That because that, every time someone asked me about an event, the, they didn't want to know what the event was about or who spoke or what kind of topics we covered. They would immediately, immediately kind of go, "How many people?" and how many people equaled a better event or a worse event. So I knew from you after year one that I wanted to break the idea in general around anywhere <laughs> uh, that bigger wasn't better and um, the more number of people you have doesn't make you more successful um, and 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 I, I think I did that on, on purpose so I I haven't looked at my my podcast stats in I don't know I'm pretty sure over a year now um, primarily and my team does all that kind of stuff but I don't necessarily want that to determine my success um, but it, I think it's this weird way of thinking but I just don't want to be in the same bucket so I decided that um, I would reduce the numbers and cap them in year two and we've done that from year two three and four um, and just find a way to get better quality people in the room uh, so that was the big decision uh, in year two uh, was not to go oh, we had 250 people in year one, let's 
go full 500 in year two. Right. It was like, um, I'm capping it at 175 in year two. And, um, that, that made, that made a, that make, made a huge difference in terms of the conversations in the room and the impact of the attendees following the event. Um, I know attendees that came to We Are Podcast 2016 that are still really, really good friends. Um, so for me, that was that was huge, and it was that was a uh, that was um, a big decision, um, which I didn't know which side that would go on. Mm-hmm. Um, the second decision that I made uh, in year two and in year three was that I would not focus on sponsors at all. Um, because we did that in year one and it was, I was kind of spread between sponsors and attendees. And I felt like I couldn't get either one of those right. And I felt like I needed to get one part right before I went and did the other part. What do you mean that Uh, you were like spread between the two? Like my attention was spread between the two. My attention was spread between getting money for sponsors from sponsors versus, um, actually putting on a good event um, and and I wanted to get putting on a good event first um, get get that done right before I went and focused on sponsors and and this year we went and focused on sponsors but uh, two and three we, we did not have any sponsors mm-hmm. when you say um, when you say like we want this event to be good like can you define that for us like what does that mean to you yeah, yeah I, I really for me for me I want the attendees to kind of feel like it's the like this event changed their life like I, I want that to be a pivotal point where uh, when they're telling their story 10 years from now they kind of want they kind of go I went to we are podcast 2015 or 2016 or 2017 and I met this person or I had this conversation or I had this light bulb moment and if I wasn't in that room um, the, the, the next 10 years would have been very different so for me, I'm, I'm always trying to create that environment where someone can be uh, open and vulnerable enough to actually talk about where their obstacles are so that they can actually overcome them. Because a lot of us in business put on this front as to where, you know, what's happening really. And, and I think just creating that safe space um, is super important for me. That's awesome. Um, sorry, I just have a lot of these questions pop up in my head as we're as we're talking. That's cool. Hidden costs. I know that I'm going to be running into some of those as well, and I'd love to hear from you. Like, what were some surprising things, cost wise and budget wise, things that weren't planned for that you now know and want to share with all of us so that we don't get caught in yeah. the same traps, if any? Yeah. Um, year one. Um, we got a bill of like five thousand two hundred dollars um, two months after the event uh, from the AV company, which I did not know existed uh, at the venue places. So the the venue said this is all included, and and then um, there was a separate company that did the AV for that venue. And um, and I'm like, I didn't know about this. I did not sign off on this, off any of this stuff. And 
Pat, that was that was that was just that was just a, a, a nightmare because um, in year one we did not make money from the event, um, and uh, in fact we lost money. And then on top of that, we got this five thousand dollar bill. And what they did was diabolical in the sense that they started contacting the speakers and saying that you know there's this event that you spoke at and oh our bill is not being cleared and i'm like oh no <laughs> so the speakers that's crazy yeah yeah and it was um that was just not cool so i i ended up paying the bill uh no you did prim- oh. yeah primarily because i didn't want the speakers to be you know uh, yes. i didn't want yeah yeah it was just not not fair on on, on that to happen for that to happen but um I now always, when I go to a venue, I kind of go, so is the AV included? Does someone else do your AV? Who, what, what, what does that include? And I talk about the AV um, almost first. Yeah. Uh, so that's a hidden cost that I did not see coming. So that's the AV, the audiovisual crew. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. The audiovisual. Yeah. So I guess the big lesson there is when you sign a contract and you make a deal with like a hotel space, like really understand the ins and outs of that and i know it can be difficult i mean i'm already seeing this like the fine print and all that stuff it's like wow okay like i really have to make sure i know what's going on here and it's a big task um but you you had said like the hotel had said that it was covered but it wasn't i guess it wasn't in the contract i mean to me it's like the hotel should have paid for that if that's what they said but i guess you yes yeah but i i did not really you know what was happening was i did not I think they, they knew they knew where the the, the the weak spot was, which was I did not actually want you know um, other people to be harassed as a result of me putting on this event and and um, and 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 then when that started happening, I I just I just gave in. But yeah. I would have been stubborn <laughs> on on most occasions that 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 would have been me uh, being stubborn and standing my ground. But I just um, I decided that was just not worth it at the time. Um, That's a but we expensive didn't have lesson, right? Yeah, to- totally expensive lesson. Uh, for at the time, especially uh, um, because it, it was um, you know just when when Amplify the agency was starting as well. So um, yeah, it was it was an expensive lesson. Um, I think also finding out about food and catering and how you want to approach that, um, being totally clear with your attendees what exactly they're getting. Mm-hmm. Um, Am I safe uh, to assume they, that food can be very expensive at these places? 100%. Food can be probably the most expensive um, because, uh, you know, they 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 obviously find a way they can say to you stuff like, Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll not charge you room hire, but you buy food, uh, for all your attendees and you think you're getting a great deal, but it's not necessarily a great deal because you're still going to be spending way more money. So actually look at how much they're talking about, how that makes a difference, whether sometimes it's actually worth paying the room hire and finding another way to to cover food, because uh, if you go through a hotel, like you know, they they they've got hotel prices. So it's like forty um, fifty dollars 
per lunch per person or something like that for just like a sandwich. Like I've seen yeah. that a couple times. I'm like, this is yeah, crazy. seventy-two dollars or something was. I I remember that quote very clearly. That was seventy-two dollars <laughs> for lunch. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Um, but yeah, one hundred percent. Okay, so uh, so food is making sure the contracts, the the AV things are good. What about other sort of smaller things that could potentially add up? Like I'm thinking swag and name tags and like like what are some of those smaller things that perhaps you've put into your event that maybe are, are worth the extra cost because they just add to the experience let's, let's talk about some of those things that maybe you don't have to spend money on but you do because you know it just adds to things yes um so having a media wall or a place uh, uh, like a a place that actually helps someone take images uh which boosts your brand as well as the brand of the event uh, as well as the brand of the speakers is massive um yeah because year one one of the best things about we are podcast is every year it's trended number one on twitter for for both the main days um which again I, i i i i have to put it down to having your swag around the place or having signs mm-hmm. um that people can can use so we just we just had uh we are podcast signs that were like about um not an a3 maybe an a2 size um so four times an a4 paper if if that's a better uh description of how big that is mm-hmm. um and and just a bunch of those around the place so people were just holding the signs up and taking pictures and posting them which which was uh which was really cool and then last year we had these we are podcast uh, speech bubbles squeegee bowls which was um also a hit um and then having a media wall and having a place where they could say to the speakers hey i'd love to get a picture with you at the media wall um that's cool yeah those those are those are worth uh, whatever money you spend on them because it gets you all this this crazy reach. So branding is important, obviously, and having your brand around and having it be shared, encouraging people to take pictures, those kinds of things. I've also seen a lot of conferences run contests around those things, which you know they do giveaways, yeah. knowing that their brand is getting exposure in that way too. Dude, there's so much yeah. we could talk about, obviously, and there's only so much time here on the show. But yeah. the one thing I want to finish off with, and this is just at least a great starting point for a lot of people, I think, to for, for things to consider. So, again, thank you for coming on and sharing all this. But um, yeah. the final thing is, like, okay, you are Ronsley. You want to put on this event. You need to likely have other people helping you run this thing and, and put it on. Like, who all mm-hmm. is involved in making We Are Podcast happen? And you, you don't have to mention names specifically if you don't want yeah. to, but – you know, what are their roles and, you know, how much of the work is, is you? Because I, I, I'm also afraid that, like, okay, I'm going to be so concerned about how smooth FlynnCon 1 is run. Yeah. And that's, you know, but I also have some presentations I need to give in making sure that I deliver on my performances and whatnot. So, like, yep. how does that all get balanced? Who's helping you behind the scenes? Um, that's a great question, Pat. Um, there have been years where I've been really disappointed with my team, and there have been years that you know I had not to do anything. So, um, to put a bit of context around 2015, 2016, and 2017, mm-hmm. um, I would say that it's primarily me putting all the people in the room. Or it has been at least um, in, from the speakers to the attendees and um, 
and in year one, I decided that I was going to MC as well. That was not a good idea. <laughs> uh, that was just a rubbish idea. Um, and uh, I realized I'm a bad MC. So um, I think uh, there were there were some really important people that came along and helped me. Um, one was someone to 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 just have my back in case I went down um, because on in year one. About three o'clock, um, I, I I just couldn't take it anymore. I was like, I, I needed to I needed to go and have my introvert moment in my room, and um, I I just needed someone to help and take over. So that was year one. Year two, I had uh, Emma Samia, who has been with uh, Amplify ever since, and she's just amazing. So she handled all the logistics, mm-hmm. and I had the best year in year in 2016 where I got to hang out with um uh with the speakers with the attendees and i and i actually i actually had a lot of fun uh year three was was probably our most successful year uh in terms of return on investment in terms of impact that we made towards uh, free to shine and all that kind of stuff and i had a team of six people from amplify but i felt like i was still the one running around on the day because they the 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 team did not have the eye for the event that the way I wanted the event to go down. Um, saying all that in, in 2017, um, we have Janice who, uh, mm-hmm. who was my speaker coordinator at when I gave my TEDx talk last year and, uh, she ran the whole TEDx event this year. And, um, she's like, I would love to work at Amplify. Do you have an opening? <laughs> and, uh, she's come on board. So, uh, she's handling the entire, uh, logistics of the event, which is, um, which is, uh, really, really helpful. So That's having someone to, 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 to run the logistics and the admin side of things, like, um, having someone to, to, ha- to run the speaker, um, uh, contracts and, um, making sure that the speakers are well taken off uh, taken care of is super important on the day having uh, volunteers and you can contact a local u- university to get um, uh, students who are going through an event course uh, to help out and, and you can get them all for free uh, so finding those ways to have people around you to, to, to do the jobs but also plan 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 as much as you possibly can because uh, you should not necessarily be be stressing out or doing any work two or three days before the event. You should just be relaxing because your brain. Yeah, no, <laughs> we've done that from year one, Pat. So it's it's like it's and, and every year I keep adding to that. I kind of go, all right. So last year we did three days off. This year is four days off, and then we did five days off. So this year we're gonna we're actually gonna have, be off for a whole week before the event. Hopefully, fingers crossed, you know, but um, uh, just so that, you know, you, you calm down and you can actually enjoy the journey mm-hmm. and enjoy what's to come rather than just be, you know, running around. So, yeah, I don't I, want it so to be like my wedding. Like I loved my wedding. Yeah, I, I yeah. remember bits and pieces of it. But the, the reason I say that is because it there was just so much happening on that day and so much like it just, it just was a blur. Yeah, but yeah. we had spent a whole year planning it, and all of a sudden it's gone. I'm like, I didn't even, like, I didn't even get a chance to have dinner because I had to go around all the table. Anyway, I just don't want yes. it to be something that I like. I want to live in the moment at the event too, and and, and enjoy it. And I know that if I can enjoy it, everybody else there will be enjoying it as well. So, yeah. dude, this has been 
incredibly helpful for me and I know everybody else listening to. And even if you're not thinking about an event in the near future, perhaps you might come back to this episode in the future or at least have some thoughts for an event that you might be attending in the future and can pass on some suggestions to make their, uh, your experience at that event better in the future. So, dude, thank you so much. And I know that for people listening to this right now, they may have missed me in Australia at We Are Podcast 2018, but there is a way to get and catch the uh, lessons and, and the talks that were happening there at that time. And yeah. I believe there's a virtual ticket that if people wanted to go and check it out and you can see me on stage and a number of other speakers too in the podcasting space, where might they go to to grab that? And, and, and I believe you had mentioned there was like some sort of code that people could yeah. go to get a little bit of a discount on that if they wanted to check it out. Yeah, uh, we are podcast.com slash 2018 uh, will, will be the link. Um, and um, I, I've been listening to SPI for long enough to know that um, we we all love um, a pad deal. So we've created a pad deal <laughs> only for pad people. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, uh, if you put the code in, I know pat, uh, you'll get a, a 25% discount as well as all the all the previous three years of um, of uh, of recordings from We Are Podcast. That's awesome. And that includes John Lee Dumas from last year and a number of other people that yep. have been on the show before, Jordan Harbinger. Um, yep. It's great. I'm, I'm, I'm honored to go and speak later uh, for you. And obviously, by the time people listen to this, I will have already done so. And I'm, I'm excited to share uh, the event with people in this way. So if you want to check it out, wearepodcast.com slash 2018. Use the coupon code I know Pat, and you'll get a discount and access to all the event recordings from all the previous years. So thank you, thank you for that, Ronsley. And obviously, 2019 is coming around the corner. If you want to check out We Are Podcast 2019, just information we will be pod- at that link too. Yeah. So wearepodcast.com yeah. yeah. slash 2018. Um, dude, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you. Super helpful. And uh, good luck with everything. Thank you, Pat. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you um, next month or oh, month after. It'll be fun. All right, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ronsley. Again, you can find the recordings from the show that just happened in Australia, We Are Podcast 2018. If you go to wearepodcast.com slash 2018, you can check it out there and also make sure you use the coupon code, all one word, I know Pat, uh, I know Pat, and that will get you 25% off plus access to all the other recordings from previous years. And so a great opportunity for those of you who couldn't make it but want to get that info. So um, yeah, check that out wearepodcast.com slash 2018. Now, that link and all the other links and resources mentioned in this particular episode will be available on the show notes page on the SPI blog. To go there, all you need to do is go to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 342. One more time, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash session 342. And thank you again for listening all the way through. I appreciate you so much. If you have a moment, leave a review on iTunes for the Smart Passive Income Podcast. That would be extremely helpful. And make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't already because we have a lot of great episodes coming your way, a lot of guests who have never been on the show before and some who have. Make sure to stick around because it's going to be great. Hit subscribe and I'll see you the next episode. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com. So podcasting is obviously a big deal here at SPI, and today I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. 
Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure and it always finds a bright side. I really love it and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it. 